Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. To the Bucks Banter Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I am your host, Colin Hallboom. And we are super happy to be here live on Bucks Report for our first ever episode with you guys. Whether you are a loyal supporter or it's your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, once again, I am the host of the Bucks Banter podcast. My name is Colin Hallboom. Um, and we are jacked up to be here. Don't be shy in the comments. If you have any questions or hot takes you want us to address on the air, I will try my best to respond to them as we go. I am joined by an impressive collection of football minds, my two lovely co-hosts. We have Bodan Yard and Scott Capron. What's going on, boys? What's going on? What's up? Bro? How you doing, man? Thanks for having us. Hey, man. Thanks for thanks for joining along and uh, pumped to get going here. So, uh, first of all, we're going to start off today's episode of the Bucks Banter Podcast on Bucks Report with a little what's up with the Bucks. Uh, we've got to talk about what's going on right now. Obviously, we're in the offseason. The draft has come and gone. Rookie minicamp has just ended. So I'm just going to kind of zip through some of the things. Um, we, we've already done a schedule release episode on the last last uh, episode of the Bucks Banter podcast. Um, of course, you know, the Bucks have a pretty tasty schedule as far as I'm concerned, especially compared to years previously. Uh, according to Mike Clay of ESPN, he's got them with the easiest strength of schedule in the entire league. Um, Mike Clay, for those of you who don't know, he's considered their professional prognosticator per se. He uh, he also has the Bucks with the best roster in the league in terms of how they grade out at each position. Um, so, and that and that's with him having them as a below league average safety group, which I strongly disagree with. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. You know what I mean? Like Bucks have have a great safety group. We got. Three- I feel like that's like one of the funnest parts of watching the Bucks is watching your defensive backs just run all over the field. So yeah, that's kind of crazy to hear. Below For sure. Average, eh? Interesting. Yeah. Seems wrong. Average. Seems wrong. But it. But <laughs> we don't want to admit that because then then we have to talk about every other position group, right? So let's just get, you know we'll roll with this one for now. No doubt. And uh, NFL, the NFL official Instagram account today posted their. Uh, rankings in terms of easiest, hardest schedules. Banks, the Bucks had the fourth easiest schedule there. So whichever way you slice it, we got a pretty tasty schedule for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season to try and defend their Super Bowl championship. Just that's a an added benefit of of, of winning the whole thing from the wild card spot, eh? Because you don't have to play a first place schedule uh like the Saints would after winning the division. So you know, rich get richer in this situation. There you go. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, again, we yeah. covered this. So, we're just going to – I'm just going to zip through just like a couple my own little thoughts here. Toughest games of the year, I think, are going to be the Rams. Both times we play the Saints when we play the Colts and the Bills. Um, and I would say the – I don't want to call any game in the NFL easy. Obviously, everyone's a formidable opponent, especially with – how much with roster turnover and and how much teams can change from year to year. Um, But the Falcons twice, we got the New York Jets and we got the New York Giants. I think those are are very, very winnable games for the defending Super Bowl champs. And the games I'm most looking forward to, uh, of course, you know, a couple of AFC East games here with the Patriots on uh, 
Sunday night football. That's going to be huge. Everyone knows that. Everyone feels that way. Who's watching this? That's for damn sure. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the Rams and the Saints games also uh, for a oh, variety yeah. of reasons. Any? Did I miss any there that you guys are really looking forward to? Well, I, I mean, you're you're counting those uh, as wins against the Giants and the Jets, but with a below average secondary, and you're going up against Zach Wilson and uh, and Daniel Jones. I, I wouldn't be just notching those up as wins already, boom. Just saying. I mean, elite, elite up in the Big Apple. Right. Yeah, there you are. I'm just kidding. They're, they're wins. They're wins. They're, they're wins. <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to that Bills game for sure. Like, I, I, yeah, I think we talked about it last time. Like, I just want to see Josh Allen has to be fired up for that. That's going to be a huge game for them in a prime time, too. That, and sure. Obviously, with the way this schedule works, and there's 32 teams, there's a bunch of matchups we don't see. Doesn't Bills, Bucks, it doesn't that feel like a game that's never been played? Or maybe there's yeah. been like four meetings. I mean, I, like I said, there's tons of combinations of teams that would fit that uh, fit that bill. Sorry, lack of a better word. But I feel like Bills Bucks. I can't ever remember that. I don't know, call if you can, but uh, certainly not one that's going to be as relevant as this one, right? So that's going to be sweet for sure. Uh, and then obviously the Bucks have just uh, concluded a little two day rookie mini camp. So just checking in on some of those rooks who are out there in helmets and shorts. Uh, Grant Stewart and KJ Britt. Uh, later round picks drafted to be special teamers. It sounds like they've kind of embraced those roles as special teamers, just based on the things they've been saying and what they've been showing the coaches. So that's great. Um, our offensive lineman we drafted out of Notre Dame, Robert Hainsey, he's been taking reps at center throughout mini camp. So he's a guy with great positional flexibility along the O-line, which is going to prove to be a major asset, I think. Evan Winter from Bucks Report wrote a great article about that today, actually. So go check that one out if you haven't yet. Uh, and uh, Jalen Darden, by all accounts, looked good. He's developed some chemistry with Trask, he said. Uh, I don't even want to comment on Trask because I haven't seen anything. I mean, I have trouble commenting on uh, rookie minicamp to begin with. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just – Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think I saw a clip of Trask getting picked by someone and, and the whole defense was going crazy about it. And they, they took it back to the house on it. I forget I forget who it was. I, I had the name at the tip of my tongue, but yeah, they're a defensive back. I think it was a safety picked off Trask, and it was a it was a quick pick six for the defense and mini camp that they were oh, fired man. up about. Yeah, that's not going to help him to take over Brady. You know, I know <laughs> yeah. he's got his eyes set on that QB one spot. I mean, that all these reps count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was picked off by uh, Cameron Kinley, uh, defensive back out of Navy. So he's actually yeah. caught some eyes. Um, okay, so for the, for the record, for the record, we're talking about how we don't have much to say about mini camps yet. We know who got picked off and who and who <laughs> took it back to the house. It's May. Like I think we do care. Okay, so that's great. That's good. This is good stuff. Come on, for Trask. <laughs> Uh, and then the Bucks actually That's signed. Awesome, a, yeah, the Bucks signed four free agents today. Um, Anthony Hamilton, cornerback, who was with the Chiefs last year. Uh, Jarrell Adams, tight end. These are all like you know NFL journeymen drafted around 2016 or signed came into the league around then. Um, Jarrell Adams played with the Giants. He's out of South Carolina. He's more of a blocking tight end. Troy Main Pope, who is a who was once a running back at Jackson State. Um, his most notable 
notable, pardon me, NFL experience came with the Chargers. He also returned some kicks for them, which is interesting. Uh, certainly yeah. would, would signify some appeal to the Bucks as they're looking to bolster their special teams units. But I would expect Jalen Darden, hopefully, to assume that role. And lastly, the last player we signed was Curtis Riley, safety. Um, he started some games for the Giants where they actually moved him from cornerback where he was initially to safety, and he had some success there. So those are the that's a little bit of a Bucks roundup for you in terms of what's up with the Bucks. Um, injury-wise, actually, we got I'll, I'll quickly hit on that. Joe Tryon, our first-round pick, as everyone listening knows, had a minor knee procedure. He's, he was jogging around at minicamp. He's going to be fine. They're just playing it safe. Uh, Tom Brady also had his knee cleaned up. Uh, he'll be good for for when it's time to be good. O.J. Howard, uh, Bruce Arian has reported that he's looking fantastic coming off a torn Achilles, but a torn Achilles is a torn Achilles. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that is what it is. He, he's an absolute physical specimen when, when he's got two good Achilles, so we'll see what happens here. Um, tough thing to come uh, back Brady. to. Brady just has so many guys to throw the ball to. Like, you know, like you kind of forget about O.J. Howard, even with all the receivers, even though, like you said, he is such a specimen, such a potential freak in, in, uh, out there. It's just it's just wild to think about all the guys they have on that offense. Sorry, I know we all know that, but just it's crazy. Yeah, I was thinking about the Bucks tight end situation literally yesterday just because I was like, I can't wait to bet on Cameron Bray because – I feel like Vegas, Vegas is going to undervalue him again this year. But, uh, yeah, I completely forgot about O.J. Howard. Like, I, I didn't even realize he's on the team. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think they got a player that, you know, a former first-round pick, a really strong tight end prospect or tight end player in the NFL uh, who oh, they yeah. didn't, even, didn't even get to use last year. And, him and, yeah. Brady, him and Brady had some really good chemistry, too. Brady was saying big things. And, and the start of the season, they, they proved that they had some chemistry together. So, totally. yeah. Um, all right. That's enough. Let's move. Let's just take a league look around here and dig into some some league wide topics, because, again, it's the off season. Need stuff to talk about. Can't really do it without addressing the league as a whole. Um, couple, Eagles signed Ryan Kerrigan today. It's a nice depth piece for them. Still a productive player. He had five and a half. All time. Sorry, go ahead. All time leader. Yeah. All time leader in sacks for Washington football team. Yeah. He'd yeah. Been there. Been there I mean, his whole quite, career. The, quite the storied franchise like that's that's no small accomplishment yeah. that's a big good pickup i think i mean we'll see how much he still has in the tank but if he's just gonna go to philly just to get after the passer then take a flyer on him right for yeah, sure yeah. division rival yeah. he had five and a half sacks last year he only started one game five tackles for loss so he, he you know he's still got some production in him i was just yeah i think he's got say, something uh, left in the tank yeah I was just about to say the fact that he he went within the division that'll be that'll get 32 articles written about leaving Washington to Philadelphia and about three hours of airtime on Eagles broadcasts I think about leaving the division or like staying within the division and I just a prediction uh, you know they like to hammer that point whenever that happens it's just a it's going to happen but yeah. I mean. There's also something to it. There's a reason why. I mean, you do play those teams twice every single year. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt to get someone from the other team, right? So, And it definitely feels vengeful every time it happens. Like, you had oh, 31 yeah. other teams you could pick, and you picked one of the three that are in our division. Yeah. 
I tr- I wonder about that. I, I wonder how much of the like stick the knife into the old team there actually is, or if it's just the best. Op- I, I mean, I could be, I could be convinced either way. If it's just you know whatever, this team offered me the best deal, or there's a total spite factor, and it's like, nope, I'm literally only going to sign with one of these three teams in our division. But yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating yeah. stuff. Right on. Well, I think we had some issue with our Facebook, unfortunately, but we are streaming live on Twitter at least right now. So uh, I don't know why that that link died, but uh, I'm going to try and figure it out as we go. Um, But anyway, gentlemen, let's start with a fun topic to debate. And I want to just I want to talk about some coaches coming into this year who may be on the hot seat. I mean, you know, in the NFL, plenty of hot seats to go around. Uh, either you gentlemen care to start with a coach who jumps out out at you as someone who's especially whose seat is especially hot. I clear Go up for Scott here. Oh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> all right, good. I've been wanting to talk about this all day. So for me, yeah. it's uh, Matt. It's Matt Nagy with the Bears. I just think there are so many avenues for him to be, uh, you know, for him to be fired at the end of the year or during the season. Because it's not that his record is that bad. So three years, I think it's twelve and four, eight and eight, and eight and eight. But I also don't think any Bears fan is happy with what's gone on. And now maybe that's Trubisky, maybe that's the use of him. It's a combination of everything. Whatever. Either way, NFL teams are not patient. These are there. It's very rare to hold a job while you you know your fan base is is uh, is frustrated and you're and you're not actually winning playoff games, right? So I'm thinking maybe they don't start fields early enough so that all right he could get blamed for that obviously or they start him fields looks great but then there's some you know coaching just questionable coaching decisions that lead to some losses and the bears are heartbroken again getting their hearts ripped out by potentially rogers in that division who know i mean depending on if he's going to be there i just think there's a, a, a bunch of angst there already and with a uh, rookie quarterback coming in and with the veteran who's maybe too good to to just bench right away but you know what like it almost doesn't make the decision very easy for Nagy. Yeah. i just i just think at a high profile franchise like the bears i could see him gone i could see him gone for sure like i said they, and there's a few more candidates obviously but he's the number one guy i'd be looking at yeah, I, I had him down too. And I like when I started going through it, the thing that uh, popped out to me was like, oh, like who do you take that job from? And I looked back on it. It's John Fox. And I don't know if you guys remember the John Fox years. They were awful. So yeah. I don't know if the, if you got, if you're in ownership at Chicago, what do I have down here for John Fox? He oh, was yeah. 14 and 34 in his three years Ooh, with the Bears. Like he was very, very bad. Um, Matt Nagy, obviously, we, like looked at him and his decision making has been pretty horrible, especially down the stretch of last year. Um, they started five and one, and which kind of like the surprise team of the league last year. But those five wins were the only good team that they beat were the butts, uh, the Bucks. Sorry, and oh my God. the last time that we talked about it was that was like stick. That game sticks out in us in our minds just because of how bad the Bucks played from just a penalty standpoint. Um, yeah, but that yeah, I don't. That five and one record was. Swiss cheese, man. Oh, it's garbage. It was, it was absolutely so garbage. Yeah. The, oh, of their eight wins, the only winning or good team they beat were the Bucks. 
That's so, so funny. like, it Game speaks for itself. Yeah. But yeah, you can blame a bunch of this on Trubisky. Um, you you can say I'm way better than John Fox too. Um, those are the only two things he really has going for him. It's not that he's done a good job there. Yeah, and it, and it went from Tressman to Fox, I think, and everyone hated Tressman and his weird hair. And yeah, I think if you're if you if you just listen out, like if you listen quietly, you can hear John Fox uh, punting on fourth and inches, just right. <laughs> you know, like when in doubt, like you can actually hear that in the background. So yeah, I, I just they want to win the Bears, and let's face it, they they're one of those franchises who probably have outsized expectations based on their history versus what they've actually accomplished. But you know, it's yeah. Chicago, and they love their team and. They are super frustrating and super frustrating to watch, and they never yeah. have a quarterback. So, I mean, for their sake, I hope Dalton plays well and hands the keys off to Fields who's ready to go next year, or Fields is just ready to light it up right away. So, yeah. The, the, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass this over to Boom really quickly here too. I think the problem with Matt Nagy that I got was that, like, he's an offensive coach coming out from – Andy Reid's coaching tree. You're expecting for your offense to get better when you hire someone like Matt Nagy, and it just hasn't. Like they, they're still yeah. their calling card is defense. It's always going to be their defense, but they haven't even been passable on offense for three years now, or probably longer than that since the, the John Fox years too, right? Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time we had a successful Chicago Bears offense, or even a one that's not going to lose you games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you'd have to go back to Cutler. And even, like, you know, take that for what it's worth. I don't know how yeah. much, like, I mean, I, I, obviously he put up some numbers, but I feel like they were down in every game, and that's the only reason they were throwing. But, um, yeah, and, and you know, in, in Nagy's defense, Trubisky's terrible. But yeah. has he helped, you know, it, chicken or the egg, right? Like, has Nagy helped Trubisky? I don't know. I actually would lean that to the to the side that Trubisky's just bad, and he's gonna. He would be putting a lot of coaches in bad spots, considering, uh, you know, their careers in Chicago have lined up perfectly, right? But, yeah. um, you know, you you only get so many chances, and four years is typically, you know, the shelf life of you know, let's get something done or we'll find a new person because it's just what happens. Like, I I don't know if people get into coaching for stability, or yeah. you know thinking that it's they're going to be a head coach for a long time because it just doesn't happen that often or you know not in the same spot because only one team wins every year yet 32 franchises want to win right so i don't it's a, it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in so yeah yeah um yeah i mean i had Nagy written down as well um and sorry boys i was trying to sort some things something out here technically so i didn't i'm not gonna lie i didn't catch everything you guys were saying Oh, you um, missed some really good stuff. Like, really, really good stuff. So just, you know. Let me just devil's advocate for Matt Nagy for a minute, though, believe it or not. So he managed, though, still to have no losing seasons with Mike Glennon, Trubisky, and yes. Nick Foles as his quarterbacks, right? Yeah. yeah. Let, yeah. let me make it clear. I agree with you, generally, that I have him written down as potentially being on the hot seat. Um, but did you guys – this drove me – I couldn't believe this. His first year, the Bears went 12 and 4 and won the NFC North. This is 2018. Yeah. Uh, and Trubisky was a pro bowler that year. You guys remember that? Like But I think like three guys like a, died going to the game. 
So he was like yeah. the seventh best quarterback in the NFC or is something like that. But yeah, technically he's a pro bowler. More just a, like if you're 12 and four in the NFL, you have to be a pro bowler. Yeah. Court, starting quarterback. Like when does that ever not happen? 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I don't know. He, he definitely rushed for a few. He threw for over 3,000 yards. So I just wanted to bring that up simply because Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky being anything resembling a productive NFL quarterback has evaded my mind based on yeah. his play since yeah. then. And I just thought it was funny. To, well, funny they, lost to that, that. They, they lost the double doink game to the Eagles in the in the playoffs, right? So oh, yeah, at yeah. home. So they didn't make any noise. And for the record – uh, whatever. What did he have? Thirty-one hundred yards. Like that's less than two hundred yards a game. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that sucks. And, and even when it I was happening, I feel like we were like, "This guy isn't that good." Yeah. Um, throws a lot of picks. I think the biggest strike on Nagy is that it's just the roster. The like the off the offensive side of this roster has not improved in the three years he's been there, and he's mm -hmm. ultimately has to answer for that. Well, he also obviously handpicked Nick Foles last year and had it created his own issues at the quarterback position, not juggling the same offense between two totally different quarterbacks, almost on a game to game exactly. basis between Foles and Trubisky. I mean, that is on him. Yeah, totally on him. And I, I think uh, around draft time, there was some talk that Trubisky wasn't like that Trubisky wasn't his guy at all and that he just. Like that kind of that pick came down from ownership, and that they were they were uh, trying to pull for him to be playing, but well, that's yeah. that's why he got he went to bat for Fields. He pounded the table for Fields. But if you're not going to start him, and you, it looks like the biggest strike against Matt Nagy going into this year for me is that he seems very committed to Andy Dalton for someone who wanted to wanted Justin Fields on their roster. Yeah, hopefully that's just something he feels obligated to say for whatever reason to keep a level head amongst Justin Fields. I hope to God that's what it is, but we shall see. Yeah. Let's get off the damn Bears. How about that? Let's talk <laughs> about the sure. Bears. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, other coach I wanted to talk about who I think is on the hot seat is Mike Zimmer over in Minnesota. Oh, that was my number two. Yeah. So he, he ended up being my number one. Uh, he's going into his eighth season. And sorry, just for our listeners to, we are talking about coaches who are on the hot seat this year in the NFL. Uh, and I think Zimmer going into his eighth season, um, he's really in a terrible cycle of being decent every other year. Yeah. And it's been enough to preserve his job thus far, obviously. And I think they, it's almost like he's got the NFL fooled. Like the Vikings don't have the same reputation as the Bears per se, but um, he, really in his eight years, he's only got three good regular seasons under his belt in his yeah. – or sorry, uh, going into his eight, so in his seven years as the head coach, um, yeah. and and every one of those good regular seasons ended in disappointment in the postseason. So, you know, they went yeah, seven. They've never been terrible. They've never been terrible. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I think something's got to happen for that Vikings team. There's no uh, way Zimmer's not on the hot seat. That's a long. I totally leash. agree. That's a long leash in this league. Yeah. Yeah, and like a guy that has absolutely no juice. I just can't imagine Vikings fans being super pumped, you know, like about with him and like him and cousins as the, as the duo, you know, like heading the ship kind of thing. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's not necessarily that he's been terrible. I don't think he's that great of a coach, but um, I, it, it just seems like a two sides drifting apart kind of thing. And this could easily be the year where, you know, 
eight and nine, miss out on the playoff, and is like, we just got to get a new voice in here. So, right. Yeah, it's know, it's one of those two guys, right? Like it's either Matt Nagy or Mike Zimmer that is out at the end of this year, especially yeah. if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play. One of those two teams, not like both of those two teams can't win, uh, or can't win the division, right? So, new show who this says JCA Joshua Cole Allen. He's a great Bucks reporter. He was down at the rookie mini camp. I wanted to make sure I showed his comment there, even though it messed up our overlay. That's that's what I think you. Josh, you still get you still get to come on and show your comment even when it messes up our background. <laughs> he does a great job over there. He's doing a really good job. Um, anyone else, boys? Any other coaches that you have in mind who you think are on the hot seat? I was yeah, shocked. Bo, Bo, who do you have? I was shocked at ha- how there's not as many as I think there normally are. Well, well that yeah. was a thing. There's a huge turnover, right? Huge yeah. turnover in head coaches, coaches this year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm going back to the well with my boy Cliff Kingsbury. Shout out to the, the, the picture of his living room. I think that's the best coaching moment he's had. Uh, <laughs> decision making, just questionable to me. I think he's probably like way better as a coordinator. He'd be an amazing coordinator, I'm sure, in this league. Could end up I, winning a Super Bowl as a coordinator. But as a head coach, I just haven't seen it from him. Um, history on him, 5-10, and 8-8, 13-18 eight and eight, 13 and 18 over and all. Um, I could see them getting off to a rough start this year even if they do have this explosive team i like i love zaven collins that's a great pick um i don't think he's going to solve all the issues they have on their defense um oh, shit. i'd love to be wrong about isaiah simmons but um i just don't see it on their defense losing patrick patterson you got Buda baker back there still but their defense is going to have going to struggle and this is not exactly the division that you want to be struggling in um on defense with the Rams, I think the Niners are going to be really good again this year. And the Seahawks just always play tough, even if they don't end up winning games. I think they're a lot like the Seahawks in that they're going to have really exciting games, but I could see them being oh, yeah. on the wrong end of them too many times this year. Well, that's such a good point, Bo, because so many of these games are coin flips that are decided within yeah. one score in the NFL, right? And, like, win a higher percentage than you're supposed to. Coach is yeah. a genius. Lose him, and then he's out the door. Right? And I, and like you said, in a division where you're probably going to play six of those games, you know that determines it. Yeah. So, I and, and, I'm and so glad they've you, done. Go ahead. Oh, go Sorry, ahead. Go ahead. I know they. I I think they did a good job, like trying to address their receiving core with Rondale Moore this in oh. the off season. But I I just I don't know. I just don't really see it happening for them. Well, I think it's so funny that because he, he comes into the league is the. Uh, Fun and gun from Texas Tech, throwing the ball everywhere. And you naturally would think that would, you know, equate to aggressive on fourth downs, not settling for three too often, using Kyler as often as possible. Like, you know, I'm not saying that he hasn't used Kyler well, but I just mean like I think he would profile as way more conservative when it comes to play calling and and actually in-game decisions than people would have guessed. And who knows, like, you know, you come into the NFL, you, you're not necessarily a finished product, certainly as a player and maybe not as a coach. And maybe he's addressed those, you know, concerns and criticisms that he's had about him. But I just assumed when, you know, when he came in, um, you know, we're going to get this kind of college style, bordering on reckless, super fun uh, coaching style. And then to pair that with Kyler, like, sign me up, man. Like, yeah. how good is that? But 
I don't, I don't know if he's scared. He, you know, he's coaching not to lose a little bit, but I, I hear you. I hear you totally. Regardless, uh, like I know you articulated your thoughts quite nicely there, Bo, and you did last podcast in terms of not really respecting Kingsbury as a head coach. Um, I think, though, in terms of how hot his seat is, I think that's a bit of a different argument. And I think he seems to have a real good, like him and Steve Kimes seem on the same page. And I feel like they just feel like they're in build mode still. So they're just giving him this leash. And I think he's, I, I personally think he's safe this year in terms of actually being on the hot seat. Really? Okay. I do. Hmm. I do. Yeah. Yeah. He, he could, like, you've got two years already. I don't even know what he signed for, but I don't know. I, I think when you have Kyler Murray, and I just think that, their offense is a step behind where you would expect it to be three years into the Cliff Kingsbury experiment. Kyler's still young, though, and, you know, I think th- we'll see. We'll see, right? We'll yeah. see what happens. How, how They need to win, though, that's for sure. They got to they gotta escape that division and, and make some things happen. Um, yeah, okay. I, th- I get what you're saying, Colin, sort of, but, like, if they – slip to six and 11 or something this year, I could see them making a move that I wouldn't predict it. I think they're going to be good or better yeah. than that. And, you know, maybe another, maybe they go 10 and seven and you know, there's the extra wild card spot, right? So seven teams from the NFC will make the playoffs. And, you know, for just like the NCAA tournament, if you win an NCAA tournament game, you're basically a God and you can, it, it, it totally negates, the 20 years previous coaching jobs that you've done, you know what I mean? It's like get into the playoffs in the NFL and you're a playoff coach and it, and it matters. Right. Yeah. So who knows? The recency bias is always at play. Oh my God. Yeah. It's something to sell, right. To say we've done this, we have this and it's, yeah, it's yeah. Not how I would do it, but Hey. Yeah. And then the only other coach that came to mind and I know he's not on the hot seat cause he was just hired, but I just, can't believe that Dallas chose to hire Mike McCarthy as their head coach. I had him. He was my third. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. They, I, Jerry Jones could fire him during a game. I don't think that's crazy at all. But he, Jerry <laughs> seems to have a bit of a give these guys a bit of a leash. Look how long he stuck with Garrett when, when uh, the Cowboy Nation was calling so for his true. head. Oh, Garrett. Yeah. Garrett has something on him, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> he, Who that's have- a different story. You don't think a million, million people have some dirt on Jerry Jones, though? Possibly, possibly, but maybe he's not as scared as uh, Mike McCarthy because Garrett had that Princeton education. He can use, I don't know. I have no idea. I just say I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. I'm, I'm glad they, you had that written down, though, because he was just hired and we both yeah. think he should be on the hot yeah. seat. I can tell Bo agrees, too. Well, uh, yeah, I agree, too. But I, also, I had one more that uh, I wanted to get to. A guy who I think he can't be on the hot seat because he just got hired, but... Man, it seems like he's trying to be uh, Dan Campbell. Lions. Oh yeah, that guy yes. is insane, right? Like the 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 kneecap stuff. He wants to bite people's kneecaps. I also got a quote from him today. He's on the Part of My Take podcast. Uh, he said, "I don't think we're going to be able to do it, but I'd love to literally just have a pet lion, like a legit pet lion on a big ass chain. He really is my pet." We just walk around the building. We go out to practice. We're seven on seven. We're behind the kicker when he's kicking. Is that guy insane? Like, yeah. I, 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 like a little bit, right? Like, yeah. He almost seems as, like he's trying almost, to talk himself. Go almost ahead. as almost as in, as insane as robot Bodan. <laughs> I think he just sounded <laughs> like a robot there. 
Sorry, hey, we, got sorry. we got it. We he's, got it. He's trying. He's trying. It's like it's almost like he's trying to talk himself out of the job that he just got hired to do. Yeah, he went on like, to say, on command, you could train him. If one of your groups isn't didn't do it, you can just take him over to their section and have them take a dump right there in the middle of where their section is at. Like, like, what the fuck are we even talking about? Honestly, <laughs> well, are are you? Is he for real? Like, and they're gonna suck, right? So, yeah. So pair the terrible team with undoubted insanity, and yeah, I think he can be on the hot seat. I'm gonna bring. You know what? Every time I'm on here, I'm gonna bring it up. So it is. Uh, yeah, it's my. Uh, that'll be my goal. Sorry. Even even like even if you're not a. Uh... Even like if it's a joke, it's obviously a joke, right? Like he's just trying to kid around. But those are fun when you're O and O, right? That that's a fun joke when you're O and O. If you're like two and fifteen to this year, like yeah, you might be like people are gonna look back on these quotes and just be like, "What were you doing? What were you doing in the offseason? Well, if he's feeling empowered enough to drop these quotes in his pressers, can you imagine the things he must have said in his interview to impress lines management? It was probably way more extreme. That's what I don't under, like. What I would love to just have that. They they should have recorded that Zoom call just so we could all see what it takes to be a head coach in the NFL. Because there's no way that guy was like, "Oh yeah, the, I'm I have a really good solid idea of what we're going to do on offense with Jared Goff." Yeah, and why we should get rid of Matt Stafford. Yeah. yeah, like I'd love to see the like the hiring committee for the Lions or whoever was interviewing him with some sort of scenario on how to use timeouts properly and how to how to manage a game and he's just talking about the animal kingdom and uh what type of lion he wants for the for the bleep for the stands sorry i i I had to block it out for a sec there Bo, while you were uh when you were quoting that because it was so ridiculous but yeah, yeah i i i mean probably tough after one year but they're not going to be good and he seems like a prime candidate to say something absolutely insane or controversial or both yeah. after after a tough loss, right? So I don't or, know. Or harm an employee in practice. Who knows? Yeah, either. Could, could go anywhere with old Danny Campbell. All likely. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyone else who you boys think is on the hot seat or should we move along here? What do you think? No, I'm good. Um, those, those are I, my guys. You got to pay yeah. all of them. Zimmer and Nagy were the two that uh, really stood out to me when um, when when I looked through it today. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think those are the biggest biggest ones. Gruden, if he wasn't on such a ridiculous contract and so yes. tied with Mayock, he's like yeah. he needs to start producing there. Uh, but but yeah. it, him and Mayock are so tied to GM Mike Mayock um, because you know they're building that roster together. So it's not like Mayock can just pin it all on the head coach either. You got to give them players to work with. And I think it's a big draft, this draft and off season for Mike Mayock to prove that he's put a good enough team together. And yeah, but Gruden's also got to execute. So they're kind of 50, 50, I think, but he's not actually in the hot seat. I don't think he gets fired by Mayock yet because like no, I just I don't said, think so. they're in it together. So, but he's got, I, I get where you're coming from though. And sorry, one last one. Uh, one I would consider is Fangio uh, in Denver, just, they haven't done much recently and i don't know i'm not i'm not you know we'll see what they do i'm not necessarily calling for it i'm not but i I think it's at least one to consider you know i think elway is not scared to shake things up and if uh if a if a prime candidate comes up i think denver's a, a a franchise that would actually throw some money at the coach so 
Bo, do you want to tell him or should I? I, I was going to say, this is, uh, this is, I was really, I was getting really excited about this. Deja vu. You got it, Bo. Yeah, I know. John, John Elway's out in Denver. You, I don't, I forget the oh. guy's name. What's yeah, the guy's name? Right. That's Patton. Patton, something like that. He's there for like six years though. He signed for like six years just this summer. Yeah. George or, Patton. Just, and he did, he had a hell of a draft, man. I, I, if it wasn't for the quarterback spot, I, I think of Denver as a real force this year. Yeah, I was gonna talk. I was gonna bring up Fangio as well, just as guys off the top of my head. I don't know how long he's been in Denver, but um, kind of neglected the offensive side of the ball in a division that you really need to score points. That's his mo, Fangio. He was the Bears' defensive coordinator three seasons ago, so he's going yeah. into year three, I believe, uh, as a Chicago head coach. Um, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, uh, I no, wanna... one sec, guys. I'm just gonna go jump off a bridge after uh, mentioning the Elway thing. That's cool. Honestly, I'm pretty locked well, no. in over. But well, you got it. I just no, totally no just totally you just haven't been watching all the Bucks Banner podcast, man. Because that's yeah, it's, I guess. it came up already. I made the same mistake. Yeah, you yeah, got busted there, Cap. You got busted, bro. Because hey, I watched the I, end. Yeah, same thing happened with Bo. Don't that worry. Goes for all of you viewers out there too. You got to like and subscribe. Watch to the end. No, watch doubt. to the end. But so. So this, it's like the Sopranos because I actually stopped a couple minutes. There was no controversy at the end of the show, right? Like, like it was all good. Like people liked it. I, I assume I don't know. It seemed pretty cut and dry. We, we we had a funny little hypothetical scenario about Elway Elway leaving, and then they didn't like someone they drafted, so he barges through the doors by throwing a football through the door of the war room on draft <laughs> night. Yeah, just uh, you know, having some fun with it. Uh, all right, let's talk. I want to talk about the nfl rookie of the year just because the draft is behind us we know where everyone's settled with their new teams we can kind of assess how they fit in amongst their their respective rosters this great crop of rookies um so let's start on the defensive side of the ball i want to know who you guys want to talk about in terms of potential defensive rookie of the year players uh i'm not gonna force you to give me a your guy but let's let's just at least talk about it a little bit I've got a guy. I got a guy that's my guy. Um, okay. Obviously, not a great year for the defensive side of the ball in the draft. But I, the more I watch, the more I read about these guys out there, the more excited I get. Um, my guy this year is Jamin Davis, uh, picked by Washington in the first round, nineteenth overall, six four two thirty five. Um, going into Ron Rivera's defense, I think he could be something like a Shaq Thompson. Could be a Kiko Alonso as well. Um, in his college career, he had 102 tackles in 10 games last year, three picks as well. So it's great in pursuit, great coverage guy as well, too. Um, also just like what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball in Washington. Obviously it was a strength last year. And the reason why they got to see the bucks in, in the, uh, NFC was it a wild card game. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the wild card game, uh, chase young, Montez Sweat, I think that makes the, makes that job so much easier for a guy like Jamin Davis coming in. Um, and then they also have their secondaries not bad as well with uh, Kendall Fuller and Landon Collins back there. Um, Bobby McCain also just got signed there as well too. So they've got a few guys back there that are going to be making it a little bit easier on him to make some plays. Yeah, I want like I love that, Bo. I think that's a, a smart prediction there um and then not just chase young and and montez sweat on the outside but you got deron Payne and jonathan allen in the middle so that front yeah. four is lethal 
And that's just going to open up so much for someone like Davis as an inside linebacker. Um, I think he could, he could rack up a stupid number of tackles right off the bat and plenty of splash plays to boot, like forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, some yeah. sacks, maybe an interception or two. So I think that's a great call. He's smart. He seems like a smart – and I guess the only thing, uh, he seems like a smart player but limited uh, football experience. So who knows what it's like in the NFL for him playing at a different speed, obviously coming from the SEC. It's as close as you're going to get in the college ranks. But, yeah, I, I think he could be right away – could make a big difference on that team. And watch – he's going to be a guy, if he's able to read plays and sees things breaking down or sees that Chase Young has a little bit of leverage, can just capitalize that and add extra pressure on plays, uh, just breaking out of what what whatever the scheme already is. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what Jamie can do. Uh, and also why that's a savvy choice, Bo, is because of some of the trends for how this award has been given out over the years. So over the last 20 seasons, uh, just the the players or the positions that have won the award, there's nine defensive linemen, nine linebackers, and two cornerbacks. So the linebacker position makes up almost half of the last 20 years worth yeah. of defensive rookie of the year. So that's that's uh, good good thinking there, boy. Thank you. I think it's normally if they. I was looking at the like recent history, and it seems like whoever's the highest drafted usually gets the highest drafted defensive guy. Usually ends up getting the rookie of the year in the last like two or three years. So, kind of looking for it to break from that trend at least. But yeah, uh, Cap, what do you got, bro? Here, one sec. Sorry, I'm just bringing up the odds because I was I was looking at that as well because it seems to be either. Um, you know, Micah? a middle linebacker, a middle linebacker who can rack up tackles, right, and just it just plug and play right away, or yeah. um, or someone coming off the edge. That's uh, that's I mean, to say that I mean Chase Young and Joey Bosa were two were the last two, and then Nick Bosa's in or sorry Chase Young and Nick Bosa, and then Joey Bosa four five seasons ago. So those are obviously all generational pass rushers, and they have one terrible thing in common. But I'll I'll let uh, listeners. Know that they <laughs> all went to Ohio State and were there at the same time. In some cases, it's just terrorizing us. Anyway, um, so for, yeah, anyone who, so, for anyone who hasn't listened before, uh, Scott is a diehard uh, Michigan Wolverines fan. Yeah, sorry, Hail it's, uh, blue. It's, it's my it's my cross to bear. Um, so anyway, so looking at that, I'm looking at uh, at Zayvon Collins as a bit of a value play at twelve to one if he steps in and you know. There's the narrative. I know Bo was worried about the Cards defense. Totally fair. But if, for whatever reason, they flip, they become maybe a top 10 or 12 defense, he has a big uh, a big tackle total and a couple uh, big plays. I think at 12 to 1, it's actually pretty good, uh, a pretty decent price. Um, this is a bit of a homer pick as well. I'm also looking at Quiddy Pay uh, um, at 10 to 1. I just think he got – chipped and double teamed a lot in college. I think if uh, being able to, to be freed up a little bit, not being the focal point um, of the offensive line for whoever they're playing against, I think he could just make a couple big plays and, you know, maybe have a 10 or 11 sack season and, uh, you know, kind of uh, jump off the page a little bit. So I, I'm not predicting that. I think Parsons at plus 450 is actually – not terrible value. It's just not a super fun pick. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I was to pick one guy, I'd be looking at Collins right now. Yeah. And then the other thing too, right. Is like the team's got to win some games usually as yeah, well, that, right. As true. is the, 
just like it's it's discussed most talking about the nba mvp award they always give it to the best player and the best team it's not like that but if you're not playing on a team that's winning games which is what makes me the only thing that makes me because micah parsons is i believe the favorite right the vegas favorite for rookie of the year but that makes me kind of like he's going to put up numbers but what if dallas is terrible again like he's not going to fix their whole defense i know they drafted a ton of defensive players but that's not going to happen right away so yeah i I could see him having like a a hot start but I think you're better to go with the guy like Quiddy Pay or uh, 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 Jamin Davis, where that defense is already so stacked, and you get they're going to get a lot of one on ones. They're going to have a lot of uh, yeah. uh, room to maneuver around the field and and make plays. Whereas people are going to hone in on Micah Parsons down the line as the season progresses. So I'm going to go against my own rationale that I explained off the top in terms of how this has generally been given out this award um, because there's only been two cornerbacks in the last 20 seasons to win it. But I think Patrick Sertain is going to have a legit shot playing in Denver. That defense is loaded. And I just think he's like so ready to contribute right away. Vic Fangio is going to love him. Um, Now I'm just as big of a fan as in terms of, in terms of evaluating them as individual players of JC Horn. Um, but J.C. Horn's playing for the Panthers. He's pl- he's probably the toughest wide receiver division in football going up against Julio, Calvin Ridley, yeah. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, A.B., Michael Thomas. Like the list goes on. So yeah. that took him off the board for me. Um, and, and like I just said, you know, only two cornerbacks have won in 20 seasons. Well, guess what? Both of those happened within the last five seasons. So maybe there's a bit of a changing of the guard there. And um, I just think Sertain is legit. I think we all do. Um and I think he's just walking into an ideal situation where he has no pressure on him. Almost like when Minka Fitzpatrick went to the Steelers. I know he wasn't a rookie, but it's like he's going from a dysfunctional yeah. scenario to just being the focal point, coached up by a strong defensive culture and all that good stuff. And he just took off and he was became Minka. So I think that could happen for Patrick Sertain right off the get-go. I, I was looking at Pat Sertain too, but when I looked at Denver's depth chart, I don't know if he's going to start. Oh, he's going to start. He's got Kyle Fuller <laughs> in front of him. Who else does he have? Sorry, I'm just going to pull up their depth chart right now, too. I should have done this while you were talking. They'll slide someone inside. They're going to have Sertain on the field all the time. They, they're not investing a top 10 pick in him to have him as a situational uh, defender sure. back. But he could have – like, that's the problem with, like, the teams that are really stacked is, like, if he makes some mistakes, you could have a very short leash out there. So they they gave a ton of money to Kyle Fuller, and then also they gave a lot of money to Ronald Darby this year too. Yeah. So um, if he's your nickel back, and then everybody plays a nickel basically on every series, I just I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. Fair enough. I'm just throwing him out there. You took my yeah. guy, bro. So just leave me alone here. I like Jalen Davis, <laughs> right? So you can yeah. screw off. But I was I was going to go for Jason yeah, Horn for that that exact opposite reason was like carolina's <laughs> needs the needs the output from jc yeah. oh my god so that is so jc horn funny. could be on the background and and because those teams they're playing have such good receivers in the nfc south maybe they're gonna force the ball his way and he comes away with a couple extra picks right they're gonna they're gonna look and, th- and like yeah when patrick satane is out there i could see the uh like a quarterback looking around and being like oh i gotta pick on the rookie here um, which I don't. I would advise any NFL quarterback not to do with Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, really. But um, both of those guys are going to be good, I think. Right on. 
Okay. Anyone else uh, who you guys think is important to mention here? Or should we roll along to the offense? I was going to run two more by yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Nick, Nick Bolton, inside linebacker. Out of Mizzou. Out of Mizzou. Went yeah. to Kansas City. Um, obviously, as Bucks fans know, he Kansas City needs a lot of help on their defense. Um, <laughs> and then Aziz Ojulari. I really like what the Giants have done on their defensive side of the ball, too. Um, Dory Jackson, they brought in. They brought in, uh, they kept Leonard Williams. Um, Danny Shelton came in coming off a down year, but still, um, I think that they could be really good. Dude, they graded out that Giants defense graded out. I think they gave up in the second half of the season. I'm pretty sure I saw today they gave up only nine passing touchdowns. Yeah. In the Dude, entire- so, they were tied for 10th in the league for takeaways and then a ninth for points allowed. So they, they could be like they could take a step forward with all the guy all the money they invested on the defensive side and then the, what they did in their draft as well too. Yeah, they're they're doing nice things there. If Daniel Jones can play football, the Giants could be a real sleeper, I think. I I, I yeah, we'll get to this when we do the NFC East uh division yeah, it, roundup. In a, winna- but, in a winnable division too, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I think Washington and uh, and the New York Giants are going to be kind of calling the shots out in the NFC East this year. Yeah, Dak's the only like proven quarterback in that division, and he's coming off a yeah. serious injury. Exactly. And all, and all those other teams have far superior defenses. So as much as we ripped on how much love the NFC East gets from a primetime scheduling perspective and how frustrating that is, at the same time, there is some intrigue to be had. When looking into the uh, NFC East, See, it's the yeah, first year it's kind of warranted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and some yeah. genuine hatred. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it'll it'll like, start week so one, awesome. Thursday week one, baby. Welcome yeah, back, Dad. Awesome. Um, cool, Bo. Did you have? A, you said you had a couple. Did you have another one you want to say, or did you just say them all? You said. Uh, yeah, I said Nick Bolton and Aziz Adjulari. Um, I like the and also. I just want. I want to try this, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. JOK. JOK. JOK, you said go. it beautifully. I've, I've given well the Browns love on every podcast, so I want to keep that streak going. Um, JOK is going to be everywhere on that defense. That defense is super stacked. They took two of the Rams' uh, defensive backs, who I loved last year. The Cleveland Troy Browns. Hill and, Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they, they took uh, uh, Troy Hill and John Johnson off of the Rams, uh, and they're adding them to their secondary. Two of, like, the best defensive backs that were in the free agency market that both went to the Rams. So yeah, I, I think, the, I think the Browns are going to be really good next year. Yeah. Love it. Jalen Phillips in Miami. I mean, obviously that defense yeah. is looking good. So they like him keeping him in state. I could see him putting up double digit sack numbers. Um, I had a Wusu Cormo written down as well. I love how you said Aziz Ojolari, you know how I feel about him, Bodan. I'm a big fan. Um, and then the only other name I'd like to mention is a dude who slipped like crazy on draft night, Trevon Morig uh, from the yeah. Raiders, and even Asante Samuel Jr. Those are a couple of guys who's in who's with the Chargers. Uh, I expect a big bounce back here from the Chargers. So keep just guys to keep your eyes on. My my uh, cousins are uh, huge Raiders fans, and they're super excited about Trevon Morig and uh, adding them to the defensive backfield with uh, Jonathan Abrams. They could be really hard hitting. Does your family have you just always had like family reunions in Nevada, Las Vegas, or like what's uh, no. not convenient? Just coincidence. They, they were they. I think they're original like Las Vegas. I mean Los Angeles Raiders fans. Like when they were uh-huh. in L.A. 
and then they moved over to uh, Oakland and they followed. And yeah, shout out to Jay and Dwayne. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, Jay and Dwayne, if we could get the invite to the next uh, Vegas family reunion for the yard crew, that'd be awesome. So yeah, don't Thanks. worry about yeah. that. Don't worry about that. We're moving <laughs> silence over here. <laughs> All right, let's 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 switch over to the offensive side of the ball, the exciting playmakers that the 2021 draft brought us, landed them in their various situations, some of which would be conducive to massive year one season statistically, some not as much, some who knows. Um, in terms of offensive rookie of the year candidates, I think there is a bunch of guys who could be in play here. I love a ton of these guys and where they landed. Um I mean, I don't want to like start dropping a bunch of names because I'm sure you guys each have one you want to mention. Do you have a guy? Do you have a guy in this class that you you want to go? Because I don't want to take him from you this way. This well, who around. would you bet? Who would you bet on? Let's do it that way. Who would you actually want to have money on? Well, is this is this like a big bet or is this like a little shot? Because there's some guys with some tasty, tasty odds as well. Like, so is it a bet to save my house? Because then I'm taking Kyle Pitts. Or DeMar, okay. right. or DeMar Chase. Well, that was a lot. There were a lot of qualifiers there. I was just asking who you would bet on. Uh, oh, let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope we don't need Kyle Pitts to save the house. But okay, yeah, fair enough. So where is he? He's ten to one, I think. Ten yeah, to one. I mean, ten to one. I just think. Um, oh, oh, a little bit of a trivia for you boys. Okay, how many tight ends do you think have won the offensive rookie of the year in the history of NFL football? Um, I can't think of I'll, one. I'll say none. One. 1961, Mike Ditka. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool that he, he Matt would. Matt Nagy would kill for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same comp. That's his uh, NFL comp, right? Kyle Mike, Pitts. Dicka, Mike Ditka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pitts and Ditka. <laughs> Imagine Mel Kuyper came on during the draft. Listen, I've been studying the film. He's Ditka 2.0. <laughs> like, 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 like Mike, Mike Ditka? Like, oh, okay. What film were you watching? Uh, oh, yeah, that's so good. Oh, that was good. So is that, is that your guy? It's Kyle Pitts? Uh, well, no, it, 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 I need to think between him and Jamar Chase. I would, I would actually bet on Jamar Chase. Me too. If it, was, if it was to save my house, I would bet on Jamar Chase. I just love this kid so much. I think he's so dynamic. Uh, he's twelve to one odds too. Didn't play last year, obviously, but people. Are, there's a reason he's going ahead of guys like Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith, man. And he had twenty touchdowns, almost eighteen hundred yards receiving, averaging over twenty yards a catch in with you, Joe Burrow at LSU. Who's his quarterback now? Joe Burrow. You're bad. You're- you, that, so that's a bet on Burrow almost as much as it is on Chase, right? Which is yeah. fair. And I I think Burrow's – I mean, let's hope he's uh, 100%, but I think he's going to be good. And I think at 12-1, to 1, that's worth a shot. He's just so good. And can't you see, like, week two, and he's – oh, yeah, all right, he's the sixth best receiver in the league or something like that. He's just – to me, he's just automatically going to look like a pro receiver as soon as we get to watch him. And uh, for that twelve to one, I think that would be worth a worth a shot. Yeah, I can't I can't make a claim like I think he's going to be the best receiver in football within five years, like I did on a previous podcast. I think on draft yeah. night, and then not yeah. say he's the guy I'm going to bet on, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and and but it's not just burrow cap the only other i think one of the other uh aspects of the formula that comes into play is like he's also got two really good receivers in t higgins and tyler boyd to help take the heat off of him um yeah. and and joe burrow made those guys really productive in his rookie year so just the, the dynamic of all three of those receivers to choose from. You got a great running game still, or at least a really talented running back. And Joe Mixon, they lost Giovanni Bernard because he wanted to join the Super Bowl champs. He a buck. Um, yeah, he a buck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then the other guy who I – sorry, I'm going to pass it on. Someone else drop a name because there's so many guys who are intriguing when it comes to offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, there really to. are. But so one, so I don't like Lawrence at the price at all. I think it's too, um, there's too big of a chance that they're just terrible or he gets hurt or something where he, you know, only plays 12 games kind of thing, which actually uh, leads me to another prop I'm looking at. His over under is 4,200 yards passing. Now, Admittedly, when I first saw that, I once again thought 16 games versus 17. So I get, you know, that obviously affects where my head, I still think it's too high though. Like 4,200 yards last year was number nine in the NFL. Is he going to do something similar to that? I don't know. So just with relation to the offensive rookie of the year odds, maybe he wins it, but at plus 260, I just don't think there's any value there at all there's too many ways for him to not win it in my opinion yeah. so not, not enough uh, pass catchers either yeah and if they're like they drafted etn i think they're gonna you know they're gonna run lawrence a lot with myers offense right and not to say that he can't put up yards but it's it's more likely passing yards and touchdowns or what offensive rookie of the year quarterbacks are going to be graded on you know i i just don't i don't know i just don't see it I'm not saying it's impossible, but a plus 260, no thank you. And then Fields at plus 550, that's crazy. We don't know how much he's going to play. Trey Lance yeah. plus 600. I, I just, there's, so to me, like if I'm looking at a quarterback, I'm looking at Mac Jones at 14 to 1 because uh, for the price, we think he's going to play. And, you know, it's Belichick to coach him up possibly once again not my prediction i'm not going to be taking mac jones but i think he's in a more favorable situation to actually win this award this year i don't think he's better than those guys necessarily but that's something i yeah, would a lot of at, weapons in are, are now. To. yeah it, exactly. it, it's interesting too uh, like I'll go... Jamar chase go ahead go ahead I was just gonna say of those of those quarterbacks too, like only Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson have surefire starter locked up already. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, several yeah. of them will at some point, but that that has to come into yeah. play when you consider a total body of work over a rookie season, which is gonna affect exactly. Voters, and yeah, you know. and if you miss a couple games, like that's a big percentage of the, of an NFL season, right? There's only so many games. So, uh, like I said, so sorry, Jamar Chase would be my actual bet. And if I'm looking for a deep shot, 66 to 1 for Rondale Moore, because if he's returning kicks, he could have a game where he, he returns a kick, he catches a touchdown, and he runs for a touchdown. You know, like he's that <laughs> dynamic. He's that, like, he's so electric to watch. And, yeah. you know, I know we were talking about Kingsbury earlier, but if they use him properly and I, I just think at 66 to one that there is some real value there. I love the Rondell Moore take. I wrote about it last week, actually, in my uh, 
draft MVPs, most valuable picks, and he was one of them. And yeah. just like a couple of factors similar to what I said about Jamar Chase was is you know you got you got DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk there for one. DeAndre Hopkins commands a double team eighty five percent of the time he's on the field anyway. Christian Kirk can yeah. ball too. AJ um, Green, Kirk oh, it, got into left. Yeah, AJ Green is is technically there as well. You're right. And but the <laughs> thing is, Rondell Moore can be on the field with all those guys. And also the way Kyler plays, scrambling around, doing his thing. Yeah. Off script, that is where it is just a match made in heaven with Rondell Moore because he's going to scurry around like a little souped-up muscular gerbil and scurry through the the wheel, get the ball, and go. Like like they're just going to yeah. connect so much on plays that are you think are aren't aren't happening, and and Kyler's going to find them. So I love that one, Scott. Really do for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just like with those weapons. If you line him up in the backfield, and then. They have to put a linebacker on him. Like, good night. I, I, like, it it could be a scenario where they they have too many cooks with with uh, all those guys on offense, but just worth a flyer for sure. And call kind of like what you were saying, if it's more of a fun bet, like that would be a nice one to check in on every Sunday to see what Moore did to see if his uh, odds are going down as the as the weeks go on, kind of thing. So. Yeah. All right, Bo, you've been you've been holding silent over there. I know you probably got some names you'd like to spit out here. So let's yeah. hear it. I definitely have Jamar Chase written down. Uh I've got Devonta Smith uh written down as well too, wide receiver with the Eagles now out of Alabama. Um Heisman winner, lots of opportunity on the Eagles uh receiving court as well. Uh Darius Tony is another guy I was looking at as well too. Could be um, similar to Rondell Moore if they can use him yeah. properly. He can return on him back, wide receiver. He's not exactly super like a speed demon, but very quick, changes direction like unbelievably well. Um, but the guy that I have down as my guy, um, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver for the Ravens out of Minnesota. Okay. Such a good um, situation for him. Great situation. Um, only played five games last year. Originally was going to opt out decided to come back, played five games, and said, no, this isn't for me. Um, so, yeah. Also, uh, when I was watching him, he's got crazy release. Like, he's – I don't I don't want to say uh, it's like Devontae Adams yet, but he he gets to the line and, and even in press coverage, uh, cornerbacks aren't touching him. Um, I think he could be a really good right away, uh, great route runner as well, too. So, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do in Baltimore. They picked up Sammy Watkins as well, too. Um, and obviously already have Hollywood Brown as well there, too. And then in the in the draft as well, they picked up this guy, Tylen Wallace, who I've been watching or trying to pick up some uh, little Oak bits State. on. Yeah, Oak State with my guy Chuba from uh, around the way here in Edmonton. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I hope they uh, – I hope the Ravens are better. I think the only – that's the issue with picking Jamar Chase was, like, I think – the Cincinnati just are going to be fourth by default because yeah, that division is so tough. That division is going to be – that's besides the NFC East, I think I'm going to be watching so much of this AFC North. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Lots of good football. I love I love all those guys you mentioned. Obviously, you, you guys know how much I love Tony. Written about it at length. The Rondell Moore take was a great one. And I had Bateman written down too, Bo. I just think he is, he is like these – Bateman is nice. He has these, yeah, 50 to one. He has the the alpha receiver tools is what I wrote down yeah. like, to contribute right away. You know, Hollywood Brown is a second guy anyway. Like he's not, he's yeah, not your number one. 
Absolutely. And Sammy Watkins is going to be injured for six out of the 17 games for sure, at least. Sammy is a complimentary piece at best, despite all the physical talent. I mean, he, he can't stay on the field long enough to be anything close to more than that. Yeah. Um, so I love yeah. the Bateman pick, too. I think that's great value. Now, he might be of, the true number one, yeah. Yeah, I think I think right away he, like, he could end up being that. He's a really good receiver, man, like really good. A um, couple running backs you got to take a look at. Um, Najee Harris is going to just get an absurd workload right away. They drafted him to be the bell cow, uh, much to Scott Capron's dismay. But regardless, that's where he is, and he's going to get that. He's going to be toting that rock a lot. The question with the Steelers is they had such an absurd percentage of their offensive snaps as passing plays last year. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering, like, is that because they felt they didn't have a running back, or is it more because it's a new philosophy and they're just looking to utilize their receivers and get every last ounce they can out of Roethlisberger's arm? We'll see. Um, but it's only 12 to 1. So, again, Scott's got us talking with all the odds here, not which is cool with me. It's a good way to look go through it. Um, Javante Williams, 26 to one. He's Denver. He's in Denver. It's a really good situation. He's the running back out of North Carolina, uh, part yeah. of a two, two headed monster there with Michael Carter, but he is the guy Thor Nystrom had him as his number one back in the draft. Uh, Thor's done great work for years with Roto world and NBC edge. He's with, um, at least Yahoo published his top 500 big board where he goes in depth and he had Javante Williams number one. And that, that says something, um, and just, I already talked a little bit with Fangio. They're going to have an elite defense. They don't have a great quarterback. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. And I think they're going to have kind of that Fangio's old school. I think they're going to try to win with great defense and running the football. Like, that's just kind of a prediction yeah. here. And I think he could get a ton of carries. He'll compete a little bit with Melvin Gordon. But I think at this point of his career, Melvin Gordon's maybe settling into more of like that third down pass catcher change of pace back. I don't know. He's on. It's his last year there. So that's an option. Those are just a couple other names that uh, I thought were worth mentioning in addition to – Yeah, for sure. I like the Javante Williams. Williams. I like the Javante Williams one a lot. I like the price anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's why I, I had, had – Yeah, I, I had Javante Williams down too. I had Michael Carter down as well too and Elijah Moore, but it was just like more it's just I just wanted to write their names down. Um, yeah. I, like I don't see the Jets drafting three skill position players and them all being good. No, especially when one of them is their court – Especially when one's exactly. a starting quarterback, yeah. Oh exactly. You, Bo, Bo, you just said Javante Williams and then Michael Carter, and I got night terrors thinking about Michael Carter Williams winning the NBA Rookie of the Year. And I, 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 think, <laughs> I think on that note, guys, I actually have to go. So um, so thanks, Boom. Thanks, Bo. We'll talk soon, obviously. And yeah. uh, MCW, sorry. Sorry, it didn't work out for you. Um, That's right, a boys, bad I'm note. Yeah. Catch you later, Cap. everybody. Switch this up here. How's that? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Flawless transition into the Bucks banter, two headed monster. <laughs> Bo and boom. Um, go. Right on. Okay. So, oh, what was I going to say? So, th- just to cover some trends and uh, before we wrap up this section, I think we said all the names we need to. Um, the way that the Offensive Rookie of the Year award has gone, the position breakdown over the last 20 seasons, there's been eight running backs, nine quarterbacks, and only three wide receivers, which is interesting because there's so many That's good right. receivers drafted in the last 10 years. I expected there to be way more. but um, And a couple funny ones when you look back on, on the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Eddie Lacy in 2013. Oh, wow. Running back for the Packers. That's wild in hindsight. RG3, because of injury, obviously didn't pan out, which is unfortunate because I was a big RG3 guy when he came out of Baylor. Super uh, fun. 
Yeah, just he was so fun. So fun. Uh, Vince Young in, in 06 for the Titans. That that uh, there was a precipitous fall after his early career <laughs> success, to say the least. And Sam Bradford, yuck, 2010 for the Rams. Yeah, Another guy, awesome. rookie of the year. Just funny to revisit some of the names who came away with that award. The three receivers who did win it were OBJ in 2014, Percy Harvin in 09, and Anquan Bolden in 03 with the Cardinals. So, um, do you get any? Uh, I don't know if it came up during your draft research, but do you get any Percy Harvin? Obviously, Percy Harvin was like revered at Florida, um, but Kadarius Tony does he get any of that type of comparison? Yeah, absolutely. He gets that exact yeah. uh, okay. type of discussion for sure just because of his versatility you can handle yeah, the ball exactly. jet sweeps Kadarius tony was a high school quarterback stuff like that like it's a that's the best comparison you can make yeah. people, people aren't talking about tony enough i'm glad we are because he's yeah so fun i'm, I'm just not going to stay on the field right like that's that weird story that he hurt his foot and then he had cleats were that were too big or weren't big enough or something he ended up running all his drills with one shoe like it's gonna be just some weird stuff coming out of there about Kadarius Tony. Yeah, he'll be all right. He's, I think he was just playing in barefoot. They were just trying to show that he was uh, still willing to play through. Um, all right. Well, that sums up our offensive player of the year, rookie of the year candidates, our defensive rookie of the year candidates, coaches on the hot seat, um, as well as some Bucks talk to kick off the episode. Um, how about we each pick a futures bet? that we like do you have one in mind because i got one that I, I, that is kind of fun yeah you go first go first all right so i'm going to start it off with a really cool fact i came across um the oldest player in the four major sports so hockey basketball baseball and football the oldest player in any of those leagues to win an mvp you'd probably think it was some like nolan ryan or some old like pitcher or something um but anyway this this player was 40 years old Exactly 40 years old and 150 days old. And that sport, of all the sports to, for a player to win MVP that at that age, was the NFL, the most physical of them all. And that oh. player was Tom Brady. Tom Brady really? is the oldest, the oldest MVP in the four major sports. And he did it, um, he did it in 2017 with the Patriots. So my futures bet. For all you Bucks fans or anyone who just wants to make a little bit of money, Tom Brady MVP, fourteen to one odds. Um, I think so many weapons in Tampa that it's obviously going to help the team, but it's not like there's like one playmaker, Mike Evans, Godwin, anyone who's going to like take away recognition. Like like the recognition is going to go to Brady, right? Because it's such a uh, an attack that's like so multifaceted. So he's the one. He's the conductor of all that. Uh, they have they have a very appetizing schedule. Um, and just the fact that he's going to have more time with this same offense and not just the continuity of the players, but all of the coordinators and all the key coaches are back in the same spot. So he's going to be 44 years old by the time the season kicks off. And what a story it would be if the GOAT, Tom Brady, wins MVP. So there's a little little future bet for you. That sounds insane that he's going to break his own record. Right. <laughs> that, that, like, that, it is, it. like, it's just unbelievable, really. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't I can't get there with you. Yeah, fair. Um, 
MVP, Russell Wilson at 1600 plus 1600, 16 to 1. I don't know. You think the Hawks are going to be good enough, though? I think it's going to be tough. And if they, if somebody wins that division, I think they're going to be pretty lauded around the NFL. And he's, I think he's clearly the best quarterback in that, in that division. Um, so automatically, if you're the Seahawks and you have the best quarterback in the division, you're expected to win the division. So I, I just, I think they're hungry. I think he wants his, this could be like his Aaron Rodgers moment, honestly, where he's, He's been upset with the team this offseason. He released that weird list of all the teams that he wanted to play for that didn't really make any sense. So maybe he uh, goes out there, wins MVP like Aaron Rodgers, and then holds out the next season and gets his wish. I, didn't, I did not expect that one, man. Just because of that, like you just said, like him, him mentioning other teams. Obviously, there's yeah. a disconnect between him and Pete Carroll and how they just always run the ball. And I feel like the magic has to run out. Like he's so good on third down and these like running away plays. But last year he was still doing that and they still weren't oh, yeah. good enough. And that defense though is so bad. I think that would will really end up hurting his chances. Is their defense? But we, I think we just like think of them being so bad. Like how they didn't have a horrible record last year, did they? Like the, the way they ended the season was awful. But well, that's I think what they I, were that's twelve been, and four. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It sucks like to end the season like that, but yeah, go ahead. And I just lost confidence in them. I've just like yeah. lost confidence in them. I don't trust Pete Carroll and I don't trust their defense. And yeah. I feel like, I don't know, but we'll see, man. The whole point is just to come up with the future. So it's not my job to criticize, just trying to play a little bit of that devil's advocate. Yeah. He's um, also unlimited, Mr. Unlimited. So, you know. It's all. It's always working for him, no matter what right. happens. He's he's never going to do anything cringeworthy. So, yeah, well, really excited for old Russ, and we love we love watching Russ and making sure he's he's doing all right up in Seattle. Yeah, you, you speak for yourself. <laughs> no, I I find Russ very entertaining, and I I he's a hell of a football player. So he's really good. I yeah. would never take talent wise. He is certainly in the MVP discussion every single year. I just think some of those other factors might catch up with them a little bit this year but we'll see um all right well there you have it i think that more or less sums up everything we wanted to hit on tonight um unfortunately there was some sort of technical issue with the bucks report facebook page so i don't know what's going on with that but we'll see if we get it sorted out and that video gets posted there later uh regardless we were live on bucks report youtube and bucks report twitter uh so thank you to those of you who uh, joined in and listened live as always, you'll be able to download and listen to the bucks banter podcast after uh, anytime. I'll get that up within about an hour or so of this recording. Um, Bo, any last words, anything you wanted to, that maybe we missed you wanted to hit on? No, thanks for having me, man. Uh, the only other weird story that we didn't hit on was Travis Etienne's taking all of his snaps uh, at mini camp at wide receiver. Dude, which... I can't believe captain Scott didn't bring that one up. I know. I'm, I'm. I'm actually sad he's not here for this. But yeah, that that pick just keeps on getting weirder. Yeah. As we uh, get more out of Urban Meyer. It does, which which hurts my heart because I love Etienne so much. I know. I wish he was going. Like you would think. Like oh, I'm going to a perfect situation with my college quarterback. You're not. It's you're still running back three and wide receiver two somehow. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. Because Urban Meyer wanted Kadarius Tony, and then he's like, well, Etienne. My next best bet. Like, why didn't you just draft like Elijah Moore or something then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but anyway, um, so yeah, those of you who tuned in, 
Thank you for doing so. Uh, we'll be back next Monday at 7 p.m. We'll make sure we have any of these issues sorted out. So we'll be live for sure on Facebook uh, by then. Uh, until until next time, it's been a pleasure. Stay safe. Have a good one. Peace.